Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome in to another edition of the JMU Sports News Podcast. I am Bennett Conlon, joined by Jack Fitzpatrick, to talk about the greatest JMU quarterbacks to ever live. Yeah, this is a list that just cannot create um, any type of debate. This is probably one of the most uh, true things we could talk about. No one can get upset over this, and I think it's pretty cut and dry. I think it's pretty, you know, copy-paste. It's pretty uh, uh, whatever, insert analogy here. Before we dive into the list of the best JMU quarterbacks since 2000, we want to let you guys know that Bet Online is your number one source for all of your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games, all available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or you can use your mobile device to sign up and get in on the action. Remember to use promo code BELIEVE, that's promo code B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So you throw $100 in there when you sign up with promo code BELIEVE, Bet Online will hook you up with 50 free dollars. Bet Online is where the game starts. It's just all fact-based stuff, right? That's, that's I mean, it kind of was fact-based stuff. Like... <laughs> <laughs> that's a funny like with how i wrote this i took the eye test completely out of this article the greatest jmu quarterback since 2000 i took the eye test out of it and i really did craft it without bias based largely on stats and then postseason success right so there's like uh you did create a formula and we're referring to this article you posted on jamiesportsnews.com ranking the best quarterbacks in jmu history yeah, originally we weren't going to have a podcast to accompany it, but we thought with all the kind of discussion that came around it and the discussion me and you had that came out of this and the discussions our friend and I, Dom, had about this, like you just can take this in so many different ways. But the formula for this was one point for every 1,000 total yards, one point for every, to- for every 10 total touchdowns. And the reason we use total yards and total touchdowns over passing yards and passing touchdowns was to try and account for the dual threat ability of a Rodney Landers, of a Vad Lee, because a lot of their yards came not necessarily through the air. A lot of their touchdowns came with their feet. So we wanted to kind of account for that as well. Uh, negative one point for every five interceptions thrown. So two interceptions gets one touchdown taken off the board. Uh, one point for every postseason win. One point for every time their name appears in the record book for a career or season record. So, like, Vad Lee didn't get a point for his record-breaking performance against SMU for most total yards by a JMU player, but he got 13 other points for his career and and total season yards. Um, and then five points for winning a national championship. Yeah, it's a, uh, you know, we put a lot of good thought into this. And uh, take us through, take us through your, your list. It's yeah, so just uh, rank- post-2000. Yeah, post-2000. So I, I put it in the article, and I want to say it now that 
it, it is worth mentioning the guys like Eric Williams, Mike Colley, Greg Maddox, some of the guys that were big time for the Dukes pre-2000. Eric Williams was a quarterback from 89 to 1992. Colley took over 93 to 95, and Greg Maddox, Maddox was 1996 to 1998. So all of them had really good, uh, really good careers. They're top 10 in the all-time total yards category. But the eras are just completely different. Honestly, the eras, and some of the uh, readers pointed this out about how Mickey Matthews guys should get just 10 points for playing in a Mickey <laughs> Matthews offense, and I don't think that's entirely wrong. But like, just the difference in Everett Withers to Kurt Signetti is drastic. So when you go from like 2023 to 1993, the game is just a very different game than it was then. So we thought we'll put the cutoff at 2000, and we'll do Todd Santeo, Cole Johnson, Ben DiNucci, Brian Shore, Vad Lee, Michael Birdsong, Justin Thorpe, Rodney Landers, and Justin Riscotti. Good group of quarterbacks. And the rankings, number one is Brian Shore. Maybe I should sort of start it from 10. Nine is Justin <laughs> Thorpe. Eight <laughs> is Michael Birdsong. Seven is Todd Santeo. Number six is Ben DiNucci. Uh, number five is Cole Johnson. Number four is Vad Lee. Number three is Justin Riscotti. Number two is Rodney Landers. And number one is Brian Shore. What do you think about your own list? You like your own list? You know, I think, I think I like my own list. I think it, it, I think it may account for postseason success a little bit too heavily. Sure. Um, because, sure. Granted, I it's tough because like sure really did do everything you wanted a quarterback to do. He won games. He won on the biggest stage, and he won a lot, and he won consistently. He had one of the longest winning streaks in the nation. He won a national championship. He almost won a second one. And and because of that, like that is why he's, according to this formula, the best quarterback in JMU history. The formula favors that. Like Justin Riscotti is number three, but I think some of his stats are, are worse than Vadley, but he won a national championship and Vad had no postseason wins. And because of that, it really pulls him down. Rodney Landers may have been first if we threw out all postseason stuff because he only had one postseason win and never had a national championship. But you got to account for that because as JMU fans, we all talk about the postseason so much and about how their national title or how they were national title contenders every year in the FCS. So to me, that's a big thing. It doesn't matter if you win nine, ten games in the regular season. If you were falling flat on your face each and every year in the postseason – then you aren't considered a great JMU quarterback. And this long hole soapbox, I'm not saying Rodney Landers fell flat on his face. He ran into some extenuating circumstances in 2008. A weird injury kind of derailed the game against Montana. He was only in there for like one drive. And in 2007, he lost by one point to App State. So not saying that he fell on his face, but Ben DiNucci may have been able to get a couple more points in there if he didn't throw five interceptions against Colgate. Yep, that all makes a ton of sense. It's an interesting one with the postseason because it feels like there's a big difference between how like college quarterbacks are viewed and like pro quarterbacks in terms of postseason success. Yeah, where I think some fans are willing to excuse on the college level, like maybe not a ton of postseason. It's a little different, right? FBS to FCS because bowl games don't carry like 
you don't really add your legacy by winning yeah. like the Meineke the, Car Care Bowl. Why was I going to say the exact same <laughs> bowl as that? That's a big one, man. But if you win like the Cheez-It Bowl or the Duke's Mayo Bowl, obviously it's a legacy builder. Oh, yeah. I mean, getting your coach doused in mayonnaise. <laughs> That's huge. It's just an interesting one, I guess, partially because there are more teams and bowl games are different. But right at the NFL level, if you're a quarterback without a Super Bowl, you're not even close to mentioned on like one of the best to, yeah. to ever do it, maybe with a, within a franchise, but not of all time or things like that. So that's interesting. But even across sports, like Odyssey Alexander, if the softball team, you know, loses to Tennessee in the regional or senior year is, is looked at quite differently than carrying the team to Oklahoma city, which, which it, it added a lot. Like if she had beaten some of those teams, Missouri, for example, or Oklahoma in the regular season, it wouldn't have carried the same weight of doing it on the stage that she did. So I do think there is some value and should be some value, especially when you look at mostly FCS quarterbacks that postseason success. So I do like that you had that in there. I thought that was a nice, nice ad. Thank you. So what are your thoughts? I mean, how would you have ranked? Let's go with just the top four. What were your, yeah. what are your top four or who did you think was going to be the top four before I embarked on this adventure? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. I thought Landers and Shore would, would be in the mix. Certainly. I think like your four makes a ton of sense. I don't have much of a gripe with it. I really liked Vad Lee and think his level of play had they been able to tackle at all during his, his time there. <laughs> I think he would have, obviously gone down much differently. The stuff he did like the SMU game where he's the only quarterback across like any level to run and pass for 250 plus yards in the <laughs> same game is disgusting. Like that's an absurd, like if, if a Jamie running back ran for 250 yards in a game this next season, regardless of competition, we would be thrilled yes. for him to do that in their lone, like <laughs> FBS game that season was wild. And, and throw SMU, for another 250. Yes, and SNU sucked defensively, so I, I will throw that in. But still, it's it's. Incredible. It also helped that JMU defense sucked, and right, so it was so like a fifty-six, fifty-two, <laughs> like just yeah. shootout. They needed him to to do all that he did, but he was really, really good. So I, I would maybe have him higher, I guess, on my personal list. But some of it too, it comes back to like who I watch played play, and I was there right when when Shore and Lee were in school, so it makes it. I guess for me, there's like the emotional connection, which is hard. I think that's why a lot of people were, maybe not a lot of people, but some people will get adamant about Landers is that they watched him play, you know, week in, week out, whether it was on streaming or TV or whatever they had when, when Landers was there. I think it was or, Comcast Sportsnet. Yeah, exactly. Or in person with some of these. And it makes you really want to like, it makes you believe in the guy and what he was able to do because you have all these stories. I think with time, it only sort of gets better which is what confused me about this is I don't know if you feel differently, but it almost feels like Shore in the moment was beloved in the last few years because of the good quarterback play has almost just been like, oh yeah, it was Brian Shore. Yeah, like we forget what Brian Shore it does feel like we have forgotten what Brian Shore not only did for the university, but like it did on the grand scheme of FCS football. Like what won twenty six games in a row, that is absolutely mm -hmm. unheard of is a Terrence Alls drop away from winning back-to-back -back national titles yeah. and cementing a perfect season. Like, if he <laughs> does that, I don't think there is any argument here. But, like, he finished his career with a loss. Granted, so did Landers, but Landers did it with an injury. And it is, it is kind of crazy how, from Brian Shore, I think you've had more 
dynamic quarterbacks since him. Maybe not Cole Johnson. Cole Johnson was maybe just Brian Shore 2.0, but you've had Ben DiNucci and Todd Centeno, and these are two guys that were just complete dual threats. DiNucci went on to start a game in the NFL. Let's not talk about the circumstances around it. And Todd Centeno is going to go on to be a really good XFL quarterback, in my opinion. Like, those are two really good guys. And Brian Shore, he, he didn't really have that next step in his career. He's, I think, I believe, I believe he's a graduate assistant for uh, Georgia State, Georgia Southern now. He's with Georgia Southern, yeah, doing some, like, offensive analyst stuff. I yeah, believe. so he's the reason we lost, uh, but whatever. Yeah, he cooked uh, our defense. <laughs> let's not bring that. Maybe that's why he's hated by the JMU fans. But, like... <laughs> I do think Brian Shore deserves more respect from the JMU fan base. I don't think this should be a question. I, I think, and I want to get your take on this, and I, I put it in the article. Do you think Rodney Landers is beloved so much? And I watched his highlights. I sat here in this seat for 30 minutes just watching Landers' highlights, and it's amazing. He was badly, but like a human wrecking ball. He was the starting running back and the starting quarterback. But do you think he's so beloved because his career is a what if? Like, what if he doesn't get injured against Montana? I think there's some of that. I think some of it is just the highlight stuff. And it seemed, and I also, what they kind of went through a stretch after him where they almost until that, where the quarterback play was it certainly was, not nearly as dynamic. It it's hard to get, that. it's hard to get followed up with, uh, like Brian Shore got followed up by really good quarterback play or at least mostly good quarterback play between Danucci, Cole Johnson. You're looking at Centeno, right? Pretty solid stuff from those guys, especially now with like the FBS move. It just feels like there's a lot more going on. When I think in like 2012, 2013, you're probably, if you're a JMU fan, you're probably just like longing for the Landers days. So I think that is a factor. I think the other thing is that for whatever reason, we've kind of, just dubbed Brian Shore as like a game manager, which isn't entirely untrue, but he ought, like he was clearly, he's not like the most athletic quarterback they've ever had. Didn't have the strongest arm, but it's not like he wasn't athletic. Like he could, he could move. He made a lot of plays scrambling. He ran the ball really productively was a physical runner. Again, not like Landers, but his completion percentage was also nuts. He did it in a Donnie Kirkpatrick, Mike Houston scheme that kind of sucked with Ben DiNucci, like, right, he didn't have the Signetti offensive staff that's, like, worked wonders with everyone else. He was really good and kind of doesn't get the credit that he deserves in terms of the fact that he wasn't just a game manager. Yes, he managed the game, but he also made a lot of huge plays, especially in crunch time, kind of outside of that uh, final game, his the, the loss against North Dakota State in the national title. But he did win in the Fargo Dome. He sort of orchestrated that Weber State comeback. Like, there's a lot of things that he did that were really good that sort of go overlooked because there's so much, I think so much talk about like the Houston era and the rise of the program that it's sort of like, Oh, we got good at defense. And we became this great thing. It's like, we also had like really steady and elite quarterback play from shore that Danucci and Johnson got close to, but did not entirely meet. They kind of faltered on bigger stages more than Brian did. Shore had 8,241 total yards. That's so good. That's a lot. He had 21 rushing touchdowns. That's a lot for a quarterback yeah. over two years, only two years starting. So he averaged more than double digit rushing touchdowns a year, which is really good. And like he made us think that Houston was a good QB coach. <laughs> right. 
And then, like, he goes on to have Danucci, and then they just fall apart. And then Holton Ehlers never really lived up to anything at ECU. No offense to him. But, like, the hefty lefty, we all thought that, like, Houston was going to be able to craft these great quarterbacks because of what Shore did. And it just is insane to me. He... He doesn't get the love he deserves. He was the perfect quarterback at the perfect time. And things like that don't happen often in sports. And we shouldn't punish him for being the perfect quarterback in the perfect system. We should celebrate him for taking on that role and be willing to be the game manager at times, but also to push the ball down the field. He had the most interceptions out of everyone on this list. He had 22 interceptions over his career, which tells me he knew when to push the ball down the field. He was willing to take some chances, but the kicker and all that, there really weren't many interceptions that killed games for the Dukes coming by way of Brian Shore. No, and he did a lot. I think he did a lot of things where it's like Landers, you watch him, it's like that's that's like so much fun to watch. Brian Shore had some of those plays, but at the same time, he did the little things really well that are like just not sexy, like managing the pocket, right? Like maneuvering around in the pocket and moving up, stepping up in the pocket, doing things that are like you watch it back and you're like, oh, wow, that was like really good. Where I think Danucci and, and Cole Johnson sometimes kind of struggled where Danucci or whatever, especially his first years to start would kind of panic sometimes when the rush would come and yeah. stop looking downfield. Brian Shore, you go back, watch some of his highlights. He has a lot of like really good throws where he just gets clobbered. Yes. Like he stays in the pocket, delivers a throw and just gets decked. He also, the, the year that won the championship breaks his collarbone in like November. And then is back in December with like not a fully repaired one based on what he told us and like what the trainer was saying. I was like, going to say, yeah. <laughs> like don't get hit in the postseason. And he played really well throughout that postseason. So there's also like a toughness level that I think was impressive. He, he really was like a, a Pennsylvania quarterback. You could sort of tell that he played high school there. It was just a cold weather, tough, gritty right, quarterback. <laughs> and, All right. Your Pennsylvania is showing. <laughs> he, but he fits like the Pennsylvania mold. And he's, he's just a super talented, good quarterback that didn't, that I feel like in the moment was really appreciated. And now weirdly enough is kind of almost like lost some of that. And, and perhaps it's maybe what you said where he didn't go on and do anything after where like bad played in like 14 different leagues. Um, and, and Danucci right played in the NFL. I think that's kind of added to Danucci's flair a little bit. Danucci like was, was hated. Danucci yeah. was <laughs> legitimately hated when he was a JMU quarterback. And now he's, like talked about like everyone loved him from we were the only people that liked Danucci. There are a few, there are a few loyalists that that stayed along, but it was it was few and far between. It it's it's interesting. But like but like you said, sure now as time has gone on, I think in the minds of JMU fans, and if and if you disagree with us, please let us know on Twitter in the comments of this article, like wherever you can talk to us, let us know that you disagree. But it seems like the overarching vibe from JMU nation is that Shore is now like the fifth best quarterback we've had in the last few years, like that he's behind Cole. He's behind Ben. He's behind Todd. He's behind Vad. It seems like he's back there now in like this current, current mix of quarterbacks we have. Definitely some weird conversations about sort of how he fits in, but he was, he's really good. His completion percentage was super high. I think the game manager title is a little bit, you know, a little bit made up. But it's at the same time he like he did manage games, but well, and had some athleticism that goes undervalued. So it's it's interesting. 
for sure. I get that other people like other players. And at the same time, like if you have Landers one, like I get that. I get that. I think yeah, some of it, some of it's hypothetical, right? Where it's like, if he would, there's so much of that too, where it's like, if he had this coach or that defense, yes. which you can do for bad, you can do it for Landers. You can even do it for sure in some ways. You can do it for pretty much everybody on the list. You can say, hey, what if Tudson Teo was here for two years? There's a lot you can uh, throw out there for sure. Also, some some fans, and we can get back to the list, but uh, I was kind of scrolling through some of the, the mentions from the yeah. article just to give us fuel to keep talking here. People were bringing up Drew Dudzik about a, a guy I left off the list. I didn't leave him off. I uh, purposefully didn't include him. It wasn't like a forget. And and this is no shade to him. He's gone on to be a good coach in the NFL, and uh, he was rumored to be potentially the the coach for JMU when Signetti was hired during that round of hiring. Um, but he wasn't a good quarterback. Let's not let the Virginia Tech win uh, kind of shade the fact that in his career – he had one more touchdown than interception, and in his one full season as a starter, he threw for just 1,282 yards, five touchdowns, and nine interceptions, and ran for 345 and five touchdowns, and then he couldn't beat out Thorpe in 2009, like the year before. So, like, Dudzik, the only reason he started that year was because Thorpe got injured and, like, things just kind of fell that way. Dudzik did a fantastic thing, and he's going to live in JMU lore forever. He beat Virginia Tech. That's awesome. There's always going to be that picture of him being like hoisted with the uh, Lane Stadium built scoreboard behind him. But Dudzik wasn't a good quarterback, and he doesn't does it. He wouldn't have cracked the top nine on this list. No, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I think there's there's definitely some revisionist history at times. It's also hard if you don't go and and look at the numbers. I enjoyed the fan engagement. I knew people would get kind of fired up about it. I, th I think overall, though, a pretty solid list that makes a lot of sense. Were there any uh, any fan sort of feedback that surprised you at all? Was it mostly Dudzik, or is there anything else that kind of caught you by surprise? Probably the Dudzik one, but yeah. also the people just playing the what-if game. Yeah. Like, I, me personally, I think I've gone on this podcast a few different times, like, complaining about the what-if game, where they're like, well, what if you had Landers in, like, what you were saying? What if what if Landers had Shore's defense? Okay. What if Shore had Terrence Alls catch the ball? Like, he's, he's, he's sitting there with two national championships. Right. Like, there's just so many different what-ifs you can play. And I knew the Landers' love was deep. But mm -hmm. I didn't think it would be so deep that like, and I'm not saying my formula is like the end all be all. This is how we, we rank quarterbacks from here on out in JMU history. But but like it, it it didn't have any bias in it. There was no eye test to this. It was numbers, and it was just kind of crazy to me how people were like they would see it and they'd be like, "You discredited Landers. You didn't you didn't give him all he's worth. He should get 15 more points because he's Rodney Landers." It's like, ah, well. He did only throw for that many yards and he did only throw for that many touchdowns. And his name is all over the record books. He was, he had the most records of all the quarterbacks I, I looked at, but at the end of the day, his postseason lack of success is why he's number two. I, I think that's fair. And he could have won in 2007. He could have won the app state game. They lost by one. And people who are like, don't you want a quarterback who can win it at the last play of the game? No, I want a quarterback that can win it in the second quarter. That's what Brian Shore did. He also made some some big like fourth quarter drive. <laughs> like he had right a few really memorable moments with the the pass to John Miller to to beat and, or sort of yeah. clinch the win over North Dakota State. 
they had one championship season where they beat Richmond 47 to 43 and he had a late touchdown to Klusterman that was clutch. The New Hampshire comeback? No, not the New Hampshire. It was that was a New Hampshire meltdown. Never mind. The, the, the meltdown that like <laughs> that sparked the rest of their yet. season. The Weber State comeback where he that, made some yes. huge plays. I'm trying to think if there are any others that that stand out. But he made a bunch of really good, consistent plays. And definitely like the rise of the defense helped him. But he was he was a solid player. I was um a little bit surprised that there were a couple, I and mean, maybe it was just one or two, but people were like, short one. Like, that's crazy. I thought that that was surprising to me, but people couldn't even see the case for Brian. Yeah. With, like, given the fact that he's thrown the most touchdowns in Jamie history and the most as yards. a national championship. Like, I, it was very confusing that, that some people were surprised he was at one. I Another thing that surprised me was just the gap between Cole and Ben. Because Ben made it all granted his first year in 2018 he didn't win a single postseason game so that kind of impacts him but the next year he goes did he did they win one that year they beat delaware but they it was like uh it was one of the worst like least memorable games they've ever played so but but even then like so then the next year he goes to the national championship and that's that's awesome i didn't think the gap between him and cole would be four four point two to be exact like yeah I thought Ben would actually be higher than Cole. You think Cole's underrated? No. You don't? Because the start of his career was so bad. It wasn't horrible. It wasn't good, though. He you got mean, benched. You mean, you mean like when he was like first 2020, when he the got the starter? It, what he did in 2016, when they, isn't that funny? He became the full time starter in 2020 in his first time <laughs> appearance. Yeah. Was 2016. What he did a decade earlier. <laughs> But uh, what he did in 2016 when Shore broke his collarbone and came in and, and did what he had to do to secure, what was it, like a top four seed in 2016? Like, yeah, he that was massive. Yeah, he's he's fascinating me, though, because he was there for 18 when, years. It's wild when you look at the touchdown passing records in a single season and two quarterbacks have ever thrown 30 or more. I forget who threw 30, uh, but that. Was it Vad through 30? So Okay, so Vad's at number two with 30 touchdown passes in a season. And then Cole's first with 41. Yeah. Which is wild. If they didn't have that like special teams meltdown against Sam Houston, I think they win that national championship, which I think changes how Cole is viewed. Which is another what if. Like if we're going to play spring. this what if game. Oh, I guess it was a spring one, so it might not have been. been it would have been a Mickey Mouse one, but it still yeah, it wouldn't have been, have been quite as legacy building. <laughs> but that would have been interesting to see them win a national championship. What would that have given him? What was that, five points in your If he was the national champion, he would have taken over Vad. He would have been at 27 and Vad's at 24. I, like, wonder, I wonder, too, if they win that championship, how that changes like preseason expectations, seeding the next year. Because remember, Signetti was so mad that they got the three instead of the two and had to play at North Dakota State. And he made a comment post game, which was rather silly, that they would have like won the game at Harrisonburg, which is just a ridiculous what if. I cannot wait for the fall because Signetti says some just <laughs> hilarious things. Uh, but but that'd be crazy because like maybe the, I'm not saying they're definitely getting two, but at least if he gets one, he's over Vad in your thing, and then you got him at the point where he could have really gone crazy if they didn't have that that complete meltdown there. Yeah, I mean, they win that, and then the potential. I mean, he could have all. He, he kind of reminds me of Shore, where he he wasn't flashy or anything like that, but he just was going to stand in the pocket, do what he needs to do, maybe 
tuck the ball, run a little bit. But mm-hmm. Cole's another guy that I think over time, hopefully history is kind to him, unlike it has been to Brian yeah. Shore. I think it's very interesting that Landers and Lee, the two like guys that when you watch like eye test wise, I think those are the best quarterbacks we've ever seen at JMU. Yeah. That they that another surprising thing to me was that Landers wasn't even close to Shore. They were about seven points off. So even if Brian Shore doesn't win that national title, you say subtract six points because that's subtract a postseason win and a national title, he's still above Rodney Landers, which that was kind of the mind-blowing thing to me, Like, which shows that one, postseason success was a big thing, but also just that the stats Brian had accumulated kind of put him in that upper, upper echelon. Yeah, I think it's it's interesting because the stats are great. I think someone pointed out that they felt it wasn't fair to dual threats, which I kind of get in the sense that I, I it's don't. harder it's Explain harder to rush to for a hundred yards than it is to pass for like Vadley's two fifty, two fifty performance, the rushing part's way more impressive than him throwing for two fifty. So I get where they're saying like if a guy was more of a runner at the same time, it is the quarterback position, right? So it's like <laughs> It's harder to do that. So that's why I think people are like so impressed with Landers because like Brian Shore, like physically would have had to have so many carries to run for like 1700 yards in a season. I think that's part of where the Landers love is. It's like Brian physically could not have done that unless they were running him like 50 times a game, which would have been just comical. Very strange. But like for to run for that many yards is absurd as a quarterback. So I think that's why it's, it's so impressive. But at the same time, like if you have 300 yards of total offense and three touchdowns, like it doesn't really matter. Like the scoreboard isn't like Landers ran that one in. It's 14 zip Dukes, right? Like if, if you score a touchdown, it's a touchdown. So that's why I think Shore was, was so good is he was just consistently leading the offense to touchdowns, less flashy than running for it, right? When you throw for 250 instead of like running for 250 as a quarterback, which is again, wild. But I don't know. I, I like the system. I get what people are saying because uh, like to your eye, if somebody's running the ball like a lunatic, I think it's like, wow, that's the best quarterback I've ever seen. But I, I get the stats and I, I kind of agree that Brian, but here's, here's what I would wonder if, if you took out the championship, do you, would you agree with him still at being number one, no national championships for sure. So the numbers would make me agree, right? But right. I think my mind wouldn't allow that. Because I after so watching too. the Landers stuff, I truly like – because before this, everyone had talked about Landers. I had watched a highlight here and there, but I hadn't like sat down and watched his Hall of Fame entrance video with like the guys talking yeah. about like his will to win. He didn't – he would <laughs> never good lose. And I was like, oh, God, this guy was fucking intense. All right. Um but, like, watching that and then watching other, like, highlight reels and highlight packages, I get it. Like, I get why he was loved. He was fun to watch. But Shore got the national championships, blah, blah, blah. So if Shore doesn't have that and they are closer, I think in my mind I would put Landers over him. I also think that – but then when you get into that into that category, you're just throwing out – the- if he Shore? doesn't win a, If he doesn't win a natty, Riscotti would have a natty. And then Landers and Vad, I think, might might be ahead in my mind. That's what's so interesting is I for me, the national championship carries a ton of weight. Was the last national title JMU won in two thousand and sixteen? Yeah. Why do we act like we're so much more important? 
because they what well, they lost two in that span, and then yeah, they lost also, them. also two semis. All right. So they were getting so close. <laughs> Jamie fans were like, we're North Dakota State, basically. And North Dakota State fans were like, we're actually winning the national championships. We're like, we're close, though. We're <laughs> almost there. It's like, remember when we beat you in the Dome one time? And then we moved up, and now we're just like, yeah, we're, we're they're beneath us. Yeah, the FCS playoffs is a joke. I, I will <laughs> say, too, Todd Santeo, he finished seventh, which in and of itself is pretty amazing considering he did that in just 10 games played nine games healthy in a Duke's yeah. uniform because he missed homecoming. And then against Louisville, he was injured and couldn't throw a ball more than five yards. That's but so he finished with 10.3 points. That was ahead of Michael Birdsong and Justin Thorpe. Uh, but if you then account for the fact that he did all of that in only nine games, fully healthy and against FBS opponents week yeah. in and week out. I gave him a 25% boost um, kind of on the side just for fun. I think that's fair. He still would have finished behind Danucci. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, he would have been – yeah, he's an interesting one because it was right just the one year. Here's a good question for you. An FBS quarterback, what would it take for them to pass Shore at the top of the list? Obviously, the formula would have to maybe be tweaked or whatever because they're not picking up like – you're probably not winning a national championship, and it would be different than, than Ryan's. I, well, I think, like, I think you would uh, – how I would adjust the formula is I think a Sunbelt championship would be five points. Okay. Plus a, probably six points because it's a postseason win too. So, like, maybe Todd should have gotten – well, we, he didn't get the Sunbelt championship. Because a boost for, like, the, the East or whatever. But, like, say he gets a three-point boost for the East, whatever it is. I, I think you just kind of have to – Jerry rig what your postseason is, and I think it's a Sun Belt title game, and then a bowl wins probably five points. Yeah, just to kind of, and maybe, maybe like a ten percent boost can sit like maybe eleven points for every thousand yards. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting one because like if we'll... if McLeod goes yeah. and orchestrates a two loss year, he can't do it this year. Next year, orchestrates a two loss year. They're bowl eligible. They win the Sun Belt. And then they go to the, well, at that point, it's the expanded playoff, right? Yeah. Goes so you could the, theoretically be one of the go, 12. You, theoretically, they're, they're a two-loss team. They win the Sun Belt. And maybe they're the best group of five teams, so they get in the playoff. And he wins a playoff game? Is he the greatest JMU quarterback of all time? That's what I'm interested to see. Is I think what's so. It gonna, what's it going to take? in this new era, because it's going to be so much harder to compare, which I think will be make for fun debates, but just to be like what takes you over the top. They're also at a point too, where like if Alonzo Barnett wins the job and stays like, congratulations, like you have such a perfect chance to be the greatest, the greatest ever. Cause they haven't had what Shore had like two and a half years, basically. Cause bad got hurt. He finished the season and then he had two, maybe a little less than two and a half, but like two and a quarter. If yeah. they could have somebody like Barnett, like if you had a four-year starter, I'd be fascinated to see sort they of how they go down. Guy. What's that? They had a six-year guy. <laughs> Cole Johnson's six-year starter. <laughs> but it's it's like, what could he do if he was given the reins yeah. for multiple seasons? So it'll be, a, it'll be a fun discussion to monitor in future years for sure. Yeah. I One think last you question start for off. you. Okay, hit me. Who is... On your list, who is either the most interesting or the biggest what if, where you can come up with multiple questions and 
and be like, wow, that's the what if that stands out to me. Like if they answered that, it would change everything. Well, I think it's Landers, isn't it? Like, it's okay, I'll one. say Landers is the easy one, but I'll also say Centeo. But let me start with Landers. Landers, it's what if they don't lose to App State by one in 2007? Because mm-hmm. that year, App State goes on to the national championship. So, like, it's not a one-for-one comparison, but you're one point away from App State. So, in theory, right, you could then do what App State went on to do. So, then that year, you have four playoff wins and a potential five-pointer national championship. That takes you to number one. And then in 2008, you get injured in the quarterfinal. So then when you start the semifinal, you're not 100% because according to that Hall of Fame speech, they knew all week that uh, Landers wasn't fully healthy. So, like, you then go into the Montana game, maybe he's fully healthy, and what is like, – and then that – like, you could probably win that game and then go to the national championship. Um, so I think Landers has a lot of what-ifs in his playoff career that could drastically change everything. And I think, like we said earlier, that's a big reason why he is so beloved. Not only is he this human highlight reel, but his postseason career is just a major, major what if. Fleming yeah. and Todd, if like what if Todd played two years? What if he was Ben DiNucci, mm. Vad Lee, Brian Shore, Cold? Like, what if he would I think Todd statistically could have been around the Vad Justin yeah. Riscotti spot. Yeah, he was he was pretty special last year. Like he etched his name in the record books and he was only in there for nine games. He was big time. Big time. I think my favorite is Cole because Cole went from literally was going to lose the job to Gage Maloney <laughs> if it wasn't for a COVID outbreak to having an eleven touchdown lead in the single season passing touchdown list like that's absurd he's just definitely the funniest where it's like what if they don't get COVID and he never starts a game again <laughs> or like what if they don't melt down against sam houston state and you're thinking of him as a top three quarterback that they've ever had <laughs> also what if yeah gage comes in they don't have the COVID outbreak and cole's the one that transfers to bryant does he become bryant's all-time leading passer and, like, what would they have looked like with Gage? Because people would have bought into that. Like, because they probably could have won a bunch of games just, like, he did lead them back with, like, an Elon comeback. Yeah, he looked, he looked, looked really good. good. And they could have just pounded the rock with him and, like, done some play action and probably won a ton of games. And people would have, like, loved probably him. Probably not have lefty. had a meltdown against Sam Houston State. Yeah, he was a lefty who would just run it well. That would have been fascinating if, if that was how it played out and he had, like, a lot of time. Because, what, Houston loved him. Houston was always talking. He's like, Gage Baloney will be the future of Jamie football one day. And Cole Johnson was like, no thanks, I'm staying for 12 years, and you're going to get a horribly timed COVID outbreak. He's a hilarious what-if for sure. Another weird what-if that I completely understand why the if happened, but like if Mickey Matthews doesn't get fired mm-hmm. and Michael Birdsong is there for another year because Birdsong left to go to Marshall after Mickey Matthews was fired. Everett Withers comes in, brings in Bad Lee. I think Birdsong's – I don't know when exactly Birdsong transferred – but he saw the writing on the wall. He knew he was not an Everett Withers quarterback, a 6'5", like 247 quarterback yeah. who runs downhill was not the way Everett Withers wanted to play football. Um, but, I mean, his one year in 2013, he had, I think, the seventh most total yards in a single season by any JMU player. What if Matthews doesn't get fired? He sticks around. 
Granted, he did have a little bit of an interception problem. They did only go six and six with him. So how many yards were those actually good? How many of those were garbage time yards? But that could have been a fun what if. And then Vad's obviously a great what if. So many what ifs across the board. Vad's yeah. a great one if they have a defense, if he doesn't get hurt. I think there was – I don't think I'm making this up. I think this is something that I remember in college. I can't remember exactly what it was. But I believe it was floating around the athletic department. If they had beaten Richmond on college game day and Vad didn't get hurt, they were literally going to do an internal Heisman campaign for Vad. Like, like with social media and stuff to try to get the <laughs> FCS guy – to get a vote because I don't think it was like Steve McNair was like one of the few FCS guys to ever actually get a vote for the Heisman or something. So I think they were going to push like badly Heisman campaign, <laughs> which would have been just hysterical because people would have leaned into it. They're undefeated. Couldn't play any defense. He's putting up insane stats, but obviously didn't go that way. He's his talent level was insane. Here's another what if with VAD is he this high if they have a defense? If everything else is the same, no, not as much postseason, uh-huh. no postseason success. He didn't win a single postseason game. He had to put up all of those stats because the defense couldn't stop water. I think if like, they had a, had a defense, the other part of the what if changes, like I don't think the results true. would have been the same. That's good. Because if, if they could play consistent defense like they did sort of the 2017 season with his like dynamic playmaking, they would have been absurd. Here's a take that I don't think anyone would disagree with. Oh, yeah. If you put any of the top seven quarterbacks onto the 2016 team defense, yeah, they all win the national title. So does that diminish what Brian Shore did? 2016 is interesting, though, because 2016, the defense definitely got better as the year went on. There were a few games in there where they were giving up some points, like the Richmond shootout where Brian had to play really well to help lead him to that win. It's an interesting question for sure because you can kind of go – Back and forth. Let me pull up his Richmond stats that year because they were pretty good. Richmond but, game. But like, couldn't Landers have done the same? I don't think it even updated. Yeah, I think Landers probably could have done that. That's that's one of the what ifs, right? Is if you stick it on certain teams, how does it go? And then if you get in the postseason with the defense starting to play well, you're probably in a pretty good, pretty good spot at that point. He was 22 for 28, 285, three touchdowns, no picks, ran for 91 yards and a score. He was he was electric in that. Right. But yeah, that's a that's a fair question. Who uh okay, let's say you're starting a team. Who's your pick? All in their prime. So it's not current day. All in their prime, <laughs> and we'll just assume it's like an above average defense. All in their prime and above average defense. I might get some hate for this. I think I'm going bad. <laughs> I'm going bad too. <laughs> <laughs> that's what makes it such a hard thing, is like both of us are like, yeah, Brian's the best. And then we're like, if you had to pick one, we're like, yeah, probably Vad or Landers. Because <laughs> Landers was my second pick. Shore's, Shore's not probably a top five pick. Well, okay, so my top five would be. I don't be... think so either. That's what makes it hard. <laughs> my top five would be Vad, Landers, Centeo, Danucci, and then Brian Shore. I think I would probably agree with that. Maybe I flipped Shore and Danucci. But it's, it's like I want a dual threat. And Brian kind of was. But at the same time, he like did the rush athletic- for 21 career touchdowns. Yeah, but the athleticism for some of those guys is wild. So it makes it uh it's tough. I don't think like I think most fans, I don't think most fans, if you had to pick one to start a team, are picking him. It's just the fact that he had a defense and played really well at the same time 
that you can't discredit the fact that, well, like, yeah, he has a national title and won 26 in a row. Yeah, exactly. It's the perfect quarterback at the perfect time. Right. Now, does that mean he's the best quarterback? No. But this was taking the eye test out of it. This was taking bias out of it. This was just trying to see what they did in their JMU career, who was the best. And that's what this formula told us, was that Brian Shore was the best. I do want to say the Twitter poll results came in. Uh, we asked, who's the greatest JMU quarterback since 2000? And we included the top four. So Brian Shore, Rodney Landers, Justin Riscotti, and Vad Lee. Brian got 35.4% of the vote. Rodney Landers got 23.5%. So he beat out Rodney. Justin Riscotti, I don't think he gets enough. I think yeah. what, what history has done to Riscotti, history is going to do to Brian Shore. Riscotti only got 5.5% of the vote. Vad Lee narrowly edged out Brian Shore with 35.6%. So we've been talking about how JMU Nation has kind of discredited Brian Shore. It may just be the loudest voices have discredited Brian Shore because he was still very close to winning this Twitter poll. That's fair. That's fair. It's yeah, what a fun debate. What a it's fun a lot debate. of fun. Anything else you got to add before we jump on out of here? I did not expect this podcast to go 43 minutes. No, I don't have too much else. I think it's one that I'm, I'm pretty excited to monitor over the next few years because I do think they'll have someone here in the next five years that kind of makes a little a run for it if they keep the program in the right trajectory. You become like the first to win a bowl game or you actually win the Sunbelt title or something. It's going to make somebody launch up pretty quick. I think I think McLeod and Barnett are positioning themselves to do that. Yeah, because multiple years for whoever gets the gig, you would assume. I think whoever wins this year is going to do it. He's going to be the greatest a top, ever. A, no, no, no. I think it's going to be like a top four. I think so too. Yeah, that's going to be fun stuff. Well, for Ben Conlon, my name is Jack Fitzpatrick. You guys have a wonderful rest of your day. See ya. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.